box so cunning and free. Zorro, who makes the sign of the Z. Hello, everybody. We're here to talk about the latest bald movie. It's uh, another classic from the 90s, The Mask of Zorro, a 1998 film uh, about the Zorro myth and legend, directed by one Martin Campbell, uh, who also directed Goldeneye and Casino Royale, the 2006 version, hmm. which might be uh, interesting to our analysis. Of course, he also went on to direct a follow-up to this, The Legend of Zorro. It's not so good. The Green Lantern not so good and the foreigner the jackie chan vehicle in 2017 which i thought was quite good yeah uh it's story by ted elliott teddy terry rocio and uh, rocio rocio and randall johnson and i guess one other guy who didn't get credited but wrote 85 percent of the dialogue uh i love this movie it's a real it has a real fond place in my heart and i was thrilled to be able to see it again jim what did you think of the mask of zorro uh, I have a lot of good things to say about The Mask of Zorro. I don't have any great things to say about The Mask of Zorro. Interesting. It's ultimately, it's a good film. It's well-constructed uh, for the most part. It has some good performances, but there's nothing that really stands out to me as like if I had to recommend a movie for somebody to see. I mean, like, I, what would I recommend about this movie? See, I here's what my pitch would be because I, as far as great things, I think there's several things that are great about this movie. I think I, of one thing, huh? I think of one thing. Okay, but we'll get there. The stunts. <laughs> okay, we're there. Okay, yeah, stunts are amazing. <laughs> the stunts are amazing, and they're like the 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 last of the just purely physical effect type of because you know we we talked about this in a pre podcast. A year later, the Matrix will come out and completely change how yeah. stunts are done in Hollywood. See a lot of Eastern influence coming in with wires, food sure. kind of stuff. Yeah. But this is an old fashioned you know romp and practical practical effects. Uh, stakes are appropriately high, but also not like scary or terrifying or want to blow your brains out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this script is one of the tightest, most efficient scripts I've ever seen. Like it's right up there with like um, Raiders of the Lost Ark and the sense that it's just one goddamn thing after another with some yeah. nice care. Like the, when the movie stops to take a breath, it effortlessly builds characters and relationships and sets more plots into motion. Um, I think it's, it's really smart that way. And then I also think that the chemistry of the leads, like, Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones are gorgeous people, and they clearly have a lot of fun in their dance scenes and the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I think this is great in that it's 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 a uh, it's a really good plot um, done with very impressive technical detail with really charming, interesting leads. And it's like one of the last of the classic Hollywood. You know, you see five hundred people in a mine. You got 500 people in a mine. You see yeah. 200 people in a ballroom. There's 200 people in that damn ballroom, and and I really I really like it. Yeah, I think I think that's maybe why I wasn't so hot on it because it does feel like the last of a very long string of movies that did exactly this. Mm. Um, you know, you mentioned Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like Goldeneye is a good example. Like it feels very much like a Goldeneye type thing. Um, I, I just seen so many of those 90s movies that they all sort of blend together. Yeah, I, I wonder if it would be interesting to go back and see some of these, because there's others in this kind of wheelhouse. Like, there was uh, the Mel Gibson Maverick movie. Right. That reminded right, me of kind boat. of like this lighthearted Southwestern romp, uh, yeah. swashbuckling type of thing. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's... I, I feel like there's... Uh, oh, like Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves. Like these, okay, these, I haven't seen that. 
The yeah. Kevin Costner one, really? Yeah, oh. never saw it. Well, that's going to be next week. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 there's just a lot of these, like you said, there's like a lot of these that kind of led up to something in the 90s, and I think this is perhaps the greatest of them. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, do you want to talk about some things that I think, you know, contribute to it being great, or do I want to call this great? I think it's great. I think it's just like an effortless movie to watch. I like every five minutes I had a big grin on my face. I laughed out loud at a lot of stuff. I gasped at appropriate moments. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I haven't seen this movie. I will say that like this is one of the first movies that I really fell in love with as an adult. And I got it on, you know, I probably was it VHS DVD. or DVD? Probably be DVD time. in 98. Yeah, I, I've I've seen this movie a bunch because I was surprised at how much of the dialogue and stuff I could still kind of quote or see see coming. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought that this, this script starts with the setup. Like this 10-minute introduction does a lot of heavy lifting. Um, it introduces, you know, the idea of Zoro and like his particular type of sword fighting, like uh, mm -hmm. that Zoro is kind of like uh, the fox of cunning and free, as the his theme song yeah, says. He's very acrobatic. He's very acrobatic. In his sword fighting. He's all he always fights with a smile on his face, like uh -huh. he's just having the most fun befuddling these, uh, I mean, these it's, guys. It's essentially Wesley from uh, Princess Bride, right? Like, yeah, that is that character. Yeah, and then they do a lot of the classic stuff from like the old series that my dad is a big fan of, like you know the poking a guy in the butt to make him fall off a thing, yeah. and running along a rooftop through a hail of bullets and. The acrobatics amongst the like this is this big uh this is like a Jurassic Park two thing where they essentially hide a gymnastic routine boy with the loose you know like oh let's let's have right. uh, these parallel bars they're branches they're way too straight for branches uh -huh. these flagpoles are suspiciously at odd angles and levels for someone they do an uneven bar routine on yeah um but and then it ends up with like Zorro kind of like silhouetted against the setting sun like it's like a recreation of like one of those old Republic serial shorts that they would show in the front of a movie or something like this, this hmm. like 10 minute intro. Um, yeah, I mean, Zorro has that history to it, right? Like yeah, this, exactly. Zorro goes back to what? 1920 or something. It's, it's, it's incredibly, it's, old. it's long, long, long history uh, of him being, being a Zorro self. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of similarities between Zorro and Batman, like Zorro directly influenced Batman in a lot of ways. Like uh, the fact that you got this wealthy kind of person from an upper class that's fighting for the people. Um, they both have like, you know, you see this movie, uh, Zorro has his butler, Bernardo, mm -hmm. uh, which is the inspiration for Alfred Pennyworth, um, the, the, the Batman's butler. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, but I, I, I thought that, um, the other thing I thought was cool, how they established something unique about the Zorro character is how the peasantry in this like introduction frequently save his bacon. Yeah. Like Zorro would have been killed two or three different times had it not been for a well-timed tomato or the crowd <laughs> right. closing in on the guards or urchin boys, uh, killing half a dozen dudes by dropping a statue on them. Uh -huh. And I think, uh. I don't know. I think that's really cool. There's also this moment where they, um, after that, all the heroics and dashing deeds are, are done. Uh, they go back home and, you know, Zorro, this is like his, you know, one day before retirement. This is his last hurrah. He ousted this uh, Montero guy out of California and now he can, can rest in his laurels. Um, and there's a really cute scene of Anthony Hopkins wearing kind of like 
what passes for young makeup back in 1998. Uh, now he'd be digitally like set back 30 years, but you know they just gave. Oh, him... I mean, he was in Westworld. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's yeah. true. That's true. They have done that to him. Here they just kind of like put some uh, shoe polish in his hair and uh, maybe some tan makeup, yep. a little mascara. Yeah, I have so many questions about Anthony Hopkins as Zorro, the Mexican hero, uh, this Welsh actor. <laughs> okay, but but Do we, we can talk maybe about get that? there. Yeah, I mean, okay. we have to talk about right, that we'll because about they this. wouldn't they wouldn't cast Anthony Hopkins today. No, they wouldn't, and and we'll definitely get there. But I, I he's so goddamn charming. He's very yeah. good at selling the arist- aristocracy of Zorro, and I also like his moments with the baby Elena. Like, he's fucking around with her and he's flowers. And, like, the mm-hmm. baby grabs onto the flowers and won't give Anthony Hopkins back. And I think yeah. this is just an improv scene. He just kind of like, oh, no, you got to give me the flowers. <laughs> yeah. uh, which I thought was, because there's no fucking way they scripted that. It's just Anthony right. Hopkins being cute with the baby. And it really worked. Um, and we talked, I briefly mentioned, you know, he's in Westworld and they de-aged yeah. him. But I don't think Anthony Hopkins has lost a step. Like, he's lost a physical step, obviously. He's like mm-hmm. 100 years older now. Mm-hmm. But... As far as acting goes, man, he is still bringing it in Westworld. And that's what kind of makes this work. Like, he's got this unique kind of uh, chemistry with uh, Anthony uh, Antonio Banderas, where he's kind of, like, antagonistic to him. Yeah. Um, but also, like, just short of breaking him. Like, there's the carrot stick with the approach, um, which right. makes the development of Banderas and Zorro really feel satisfying. But they also then uh, establish this villain, it's so great. Like the main villain, um, this Don Rafael Montero, uh, you already know he's a scumbag from the beginning. He's going to round up three guys, just peasants from the crowd to kill just so he can get one last shot at Zorro. Yeah. Then, uh, he, I think the whole plot is to either capture Zorro or maybe wound him so he can then find them later, but he tracks him down to his home and then, uh, tries to claim his wife and does claim his daughter. And it's like, just, just, immediately establishes him as one of the greatest cinematic assholes of all time. <laughs> like that yeah. scene of him like cradling his daughter right in front of uh, Anthony Hopkins Zorro just out of reach from him in the cage. Mm-hmm. It's like, my God, you just want to kill the man right right then and there. I wasn't sure how he tracked him. <sighs> I'm how did he that figure like out that he was Zorro? Or maybe he... Or something he said during the battle, maybe? Because like, hmm. there was that scene on the balcony with him during the fight. Yeah. Where I think he might have tipped his hand a little too much. Yeah, I was. I. I but I, I didn't get a clear picture of that. There are I several was, things I'm muddy on with Montero. Okay, because I I thought that maybe he tracked him down at the blood trail, or this was um, he long suspected. Like you know, sometimes people medium suspect Bruce yeah. Wayne, uh, but he knew he was wounded, so he could go and confirm it. And he's like, ah, right. oh, the blood tells. The squeeze test. Yeah. The blood tells De La Vega. <laughs> Um, but I thought this also like, you know, we're going to talk about the stunts, but the sword fighting in this movie Mm -hmm. and this scene in particular is just really well staged. Um, almost always has clearly defined terrain stakes. Like there's an ebb and flow, uh, where like, you know, in this one, you've got Anthony Hopkins, like, uh, once he finally gets a sword and he's just ferociously attacking this guy, who has got the temerity to come Mm -hmm. to his fucking house and start this ruckus. Uh, but then the, the energy shifts when one of his men tries to shoot Soro and hits his wife. And they also established the love that Don Montero had for his wife by the guy just, you know, him coming and running the guy through with the sword. Right. I thought that was really cool. So it's like that's also a hallmark of this swashbuckling kind of uh, genre of film is uh, the, 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 the heroes and villains both have some kind of code of honor. They're not usually just mm-hmm. like evil, depraved. You know, they see themselves, the, and I, I like how that kind of uh, um, 
is set up. And all this stuff, the intro instantly play, pays off. You don't have to wait for old Zoro to come, like half the movie for him to show up or, and like they established these uh, urchins are now kind of bandits of medium notoriety. Yeah. Uh, old Zoro breaks out of the prison through a nice little Spartacus mo- moments and a, a fake death, which I, I mean, that's what you get for disrespecting Zoro or disrespecting this dead man so much by burying him only like a foot under the dirt yeah because like you bury him six feet under he's not getting yeah out. it's a good thing that they have lax burial standards yeah. there at the that it's, spanish it's what prison. you get for your disrespect you get uh, zorro on your back <laughs> but it's like they have this like kind of uh the tone shifts again where you have the brothers the um and they're like you know with the their three-fingered jack and they're kind of like these robin hood characters that they kind of like a more of a lawless zorro or a, a lower class zorro mm. but then this the cavalry dude captain love shows up yeah murders the brother murders the the friend and now you've got the mini boss with a grudge established and then within another three minutes the script is going to definitely tie the fates of these two protagonists together mm-hmm. through the necklace you, you got don Raphael coming back simultaneously with some rabble rousing about california from californians and mm-hmm. i thought the plot to like buy california from uh general santa Ana with his own gold fucking right out of james bond right no i liked it in fact that's what i wrote in my notes of like this this structure this initial structure reminds me so much of a james bond film and then i found out the guy directed goldeneye and went on to do casino Royale, which is one of the all-time great bonds a lot of those stunts felt or the fighting the fight scenes the sword fights felt very much like uh, something you'd see in a jackie chan film which Mm. maybe you know that's why you got the foreigner gig later on um but yeah it had like a playfulness to it it's got a an energy of of its own, like a very distinctive energy. Yeah, it's storytelling is happening in these fights. Yeah, that and and they're they're like using the scenery in innovative ways or interesting ways. Um, yeah, it's just really good fight scenes throughout the whole favorite movie. fight prop because I have a clear one. Favorite fight prop. Yeah, favorite thing to fight with in this movie that's not a sword. Uh, cannonballs. I really oh, okay. like the cannonball the smash. Cannonball, yeah. The cannonball chicklets on the ground. I like the bullhorns. The bullhorns? Yeah, when he's like got those that giant rack of bullhorns. It's like three foot wide, and he's like wielding like a bow staff and corralling guys. When he was just the same scene. Was it? Okay, okay. So when he's trying to steal the horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That and was that was a very Jackie Chan kind of scene. It like, sure was. He's the using scenery like, was the, the jail cell doors to disarm guys and the can, yeah. cannonballs. Oh, I did really like that when he they thrusted him through the thing and he just slides the door yeah it's like it's very inventive it seems like the kind yeah. of the stuff that would work i also like the way they brought elena around in the story how she i thought it was pretty clever how they progressively she had this progressive realization of her actual history mm-hmm. uh which also matched kind of her growing agency like her father had held her down by saying you know your dead mother was this prim and proper lady that would never do anything crazy Whereas, you know, she clearly wants to do things that are crazy and she's advocating like at the dinner with the Dons, you know, like, you know, you're going to keep having these people doing this Zorro shit as long as they're not able to have any say in their own lives. Mm -hmm. And then as she finds more and more about herself, she's emboldened to do things like, you know, fight uh, Zorro or try to fight Zorro, free her what she suspects is her father. And then she's the one that leads actually saves the people from the from the, the massacre at the mines. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and they also the script like they they manage this conflict between uh the old Zoro and the new Zoro really well. Where like every time uh, Banderas' frustration would boil over, you know he'd be there with the wise words and the counsel. 
Uh, mm. There's this one scene where like he was whipping, like uh, using the whip to train him. And like he knew that he was going to charge him. And as like Antonio Banderas was working himself up, he just does this thing where he wraps the whip around his body. So it'll stay there and then draws a sword to yeah. like hand him his ass. Yeah. And it's just it, I, it's so smooth. It's so good. It's so smooth. And I, these guys, I guess, trained for months and months to get to get this uh, the ability. Um and then yeah, I uh, the other thing I want to ask before we can get into like the racial element of the film is I saw that there is a t- they the original ending was with the classic Zorro dying in the arms of New Zorro and his daughter Elena, and then that's it just ended there. Um, and then mm-hmm. I guess it bums test audiences out. So three months later, and for five additional million dollars, uh, five million additional dollars. <laughs> Uh, they reshot the end to, to, to add the scene of him being back at the home with the baby wow. and, you know, showing a scent of domestic tranquility and whatnot. Good that's, change. That's a lot of money. Uh, I don't know, because I view the I view Anthony Hopkins death as a victory here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't the ideal victory, but it was yeah. certainly a victory. His daughter is now his again. Um, California belongs to the people. She knows who her father is. Her real father is like that's. Yeah, California does belong to the people. The bad guys killed. Both mm-hmm. of the bad guys are killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't see why it would be such a huge bummer. Yeah, I, I mean, old Zoro dies, but old Zoro is gonna die. Like that's that's the thing. He he says at some point we lose the ones we love. We cannot change it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's sort of a fitting end. Yeah, in a movie that has that espouses that belief. Yeah, and the element kind of adds a, a a little bit of um, poignancy or melodrama that this guy has sacrificed so much, he sacrificed everything to liberate his daughter from this dastardly guy, mm-hmm. but he doesn't get to uh, he doesn't get to enjoy that relationship other than the satisfaction of of having saved her. Yeah, um, but I don't know. It's like I do think that to a large extent, the reshooting this and establishing that Elena and him already have a baby and kind of settling the domestic life is one of the fatal handicaps of the, the sequel, um, Hmm. the legend of Zorro, because they're kind of like stuck that you have to, you know, you have, it's like if James Bond had a wife and kids in between one and like, that's going to fundamentally anchor that character in a way that, it wouldn't if he yeah. was just if he's just going around banging around the world or if it's just him and his dangerous lady. Mm-hmm. You had kids to it's like the walking dead. It's often a fatal mistake, yeah. uh, especially for an action thing. But um, yeah, it's it's also I I couldn't help. But in that final scene, think, is he dooming is is Alejandro dooming his wife to the same fate that uh, Diego's wife met? Like, yeah, n- not literally the same, not being shot, you know, uh, in the same scene, but like they make it clear that she, she's living in constant worry and fear that her husband won't be coming home. Right. Well, not that he's going to go out on a mission and get killed. Also him walking without the mask in front of hundreds of people at the end is uh-huh. kind of <laughs> fucked up, dude. Like I, the, the open question at the end of this is like, maybe he shouldn't even be Zorro. Like yeah. does, do you need a Zorro anymore? And, uh, you know, like, yeah, the people love him, but the people can be imprisoned and tortured and have their loved ones threatened to reveal his identity to whoever wants it. And then what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to, like, be eternally... Zoro only works as a vigilante that no one, you know, can can find. Because if it's like Batman. If you know where the Batcave is, you're, you're, you're done. Batman's done. Batman mm-hmm. as a concept is done. Yeah. 
Uh, so it, it was interesting. Yeah, they, they almost spent that $5 million to turn it into a negative ending for me. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to the sort of positive ending that I saw in the original one. Yeah. So let's talk about this uh, this racial uh, thing you want to talk about. Yeah. The social justice aspect of uh, the, it. He's not, he's not wearing any darkened makeup, I don't think. Uh, talking Mr. About Sir Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, there was at the time, because here's the thing, here's how much, uh, here's how much I've changed. I didn't know any of this shit. Well, I just saw this movie and it's like, oh yeah, Antonio, oh, yeah. Uh, he's Banderas is a Mexican and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, uh, that fucking last name sounds Spanish. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Hopkins, well, I mean, come on, he's Anthony Hopkins. What are you going to do? Uh, I, but I didn't even, even know that there was like anything to like be concerned with there. Yeah. Um, and I did see some, there were some people at the time not only pointing out the absurdity of like Hopkins playing a Spaniard, but... The Antonio Banderas is an actual Spanish Spaniard, and he's Oof, literally he's playing from Mexican hero. he's literally from the the group of people who are the villains playing the Ouch. the you know the hero. So it's like, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And again, it's an old time like you know this is like only ten years uh, on from Sean Connery playing an Egyptian Spaniard and Highlander. So. Yeah. Let's discuss. <laughs> I mean, I was 16 at the time mm-hmm. when this movie came out, so I neither knew nor probably would have cared mm-hmm. uh, if someone brought up, you know, the the problematic nature of this. Right. You'd be like, sounds like bullshit to me. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'd be like, whatever. Whatever, dude. Uh, I like Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, that's very different. I, I have different views. I think society at whole, as a large, as a large whole mm-hmm. has uh, <laughs> a lot of shifted views on that. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's th- it certainly wouldn't happen today. You wouldn't have Anthony Hopkins playing this character. Yeah, and I think there's a couple things that make it not as egregious as some. The fact that like um, you know, Catherine Zeta Jones and Anthony Hopkins are Welsh men and women, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 idea that like you know you've got the native people fighting against these colonizers. Like, I don't know that it's a huge difference to have a person from Spain be the colonizer versus a person from England. Like they're they're different. They're royal. They're aristocrats, and they're not from. They're not of. Yeah, the people. but this movie has a very specific setting. It's mm-hmm. set, you know, the Mexican oh, no, War not, for Independence. I'm not, I'm not, not arguing that it's not. Wouldn't be better if you did adhere to okay. like fine Spanish actors, and I don't know who would like uh, Pablo. Isn't uh, uh, Pedro Pascal? Isn't he actually Spanish know. Spaniard? I don't know. Um, but yeah, you could you could find, and that's the whole point. Is like you would find them nowadays. Yeah, like there is really good actors out of Spain, and you would you know for extra authenticity, mm-hmm. uh, if for nothing else, uh, cast those people rather than some some well respected guy from from Welsh. You would think so. so and then yeah. there's stuff like Ghost in the Shell. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I just uh, that. We had to talk about that. Uh, there's a couple other things I want to talk about from production. Um, I thought the soundtrack is really, really good. Like James Horner is the guy who composed it, and I thought the like the Zorro theme is great. Alina has her own theme. Uh, there's a lot of like really distinctive uh, the way they like uh, had the music would shift tone like uh, when the brothers were successful in their heist of the strong box and like you're yeah. you're playing like really you know wild west kind of like giddy up music and then it just crashes to a halt when the camera smash cuts to captain love yeah it's it's really very indiana jones mm-hmm. like the those sort of um you know it, it has a style uh that's of an era 
mm-hmm. like those are um, yeah. with those old serial serialized shows. Um, and then it also has, you know, a modern day aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Did you see the historical parallels that they weaved into the film? No. So I guess um, uh, Antonio Banderas's character, Alejandro Mur- Morietta, is a fictional brother of the real life Joaquin Marietta. Which is the the bro- the the brother in the in the film, who is a real Mexican outlaw who's killed by the California state la- ra- state rangers led by Harry Love, um, okay. which in the it's, it's pretty much the same thing in the film, um, and they also captured Marietta's right hand man, Three Fingered Jack, hmm. same guy. Um, however, that person was also a Mexican and wasn't a, a gringo. Um, but uh, also, as in the movie, the real life Captain Love preserved both of their their heads and Jack's hand in large alcohol filled glass jars. This is which horrific. I was I actually had my notes like this seems a little over the top and out of place in this film. Like mm-hmm. this is a pretty this is some genuine fucking horror. Yeah. In 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 this, but like shit, it actually happened in real life. So what are you going to say? Yeah, no, I, I was shocked when they showed that because I, I didn't remember much of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they showed that, I'm like, what is this movie rated? Because that is a pretty shocking thing to see mm-hmm. in what is a romantic action adventure movie. What's more shocking, the fact that the, the, the head was in a jar or the fact that Antonio Banderas' Zorro takes a drink of the that, head juice? That's disgusting. Why? Like, I get the villain offers it to you, but like... You... Did, did he did he say like I want this guy to to not suspect me of being his brother so much I'm going uh-huh. to cavalierly drink this but I wouldn't drink head juice if it That's was my brother's I, yeah. or not like that doesn't prove anything to me that just proves it's head juice and I'm not gonna yeah, drink some it some random guy in, uh, with head bubbling in some brandy and the villain offers to me I'm dashing it on the floor because <laughs> yeah. you're a fucking sick sicko yeah, you're fucking disgusting man to hell man I'm uh, not I'm not drinking head juice. But Sorry. yeah, like I was like, I'm like, oh, this this crazy Captain Love who's cutting people, like ironically named Captain Love, who's all about hate and you cut these guys' heads right. off. Keep like this is this is some crazy like, Walking Dead shit. No, it's just it's a historical fact. I suppose he could have been worse. He does bury the body, mm. at least. I'm sure the body got a respectful burial. Yeah, one foot below the surface. That's a great honor. He wanted to give him give give him an honor. Yeah, uh, do you think he got, maybe he got the extra six inches? He got the 18 inch burial. I mean, this this guy to me was as much of a villain mm-hmm. as uh, Montero was. Oh yeah, and he's a different like he's he's just a he's the equivalent villain for a different Zorro. Like mm. they they do a great job of saying like these men are their fortunes are sort of tied together yeah. in a like it, at the fate level, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's like both of these men have had similarly traumatic experiences, have similar people who they're seeking revenge upon. Uh, they they do a really good job thematically tying them together. Yeah. Um, I thought that let's talk I want to talk about the stunt work now because I guess the guy responsible for the amazing like sword work. I don't know that this I don't know what, what you feel about the Star Wars movies, but like I don't know that sword fighting of this particular style. Like this isn't realistic sword fighting. No. But stage no. sword fighting, I don't know that it gets any better. And uh Bob Anderson, the guy who did all the choreography for the old Errol Flynn like Robin Hoods and mm. pirate movies came back and did this. And he said that Antonio Banderas is the most gifted natural swordsman that he had seen in working with it. And I guess that wow. like Banderas before he showed up for the training on the film, he trained with the Spanish Olympic fencing team for like four months. And wow. he okay. was really good at pulling this stuff off. In fact, 
I did a lot of freeze framing in the film, like when he's up on the table, like leaping up on the table and fighting like five guys at a time. I'm like, is this, did he do, I mean, I know he didn't do the horse effects. No, no, no. Right. But the guy that did that, like was, looks so much like Antonio Banderas and the, you know, the mask he's and the, the big mask, grin yeah. does a lot of the work for it, but still like, Jesus, yeah. they, they did a really good job at that stuff. Now that stunt man who mm-hmm. rides the horses is phenomenal. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe how good he was. And, and there just seems to drop my jaw because I know they're real. Like when that guy's dancing around on a horse, he's really doing that. Yeah. Uh, when he's riding two horses over another guy riding a horse, he's really doing that. Yeah, when he yeah. jumps off a three-story roof and hits the cobblestone street, somebody. I assume did. it's not real cobblestone, but right. somebody jumped down that thing. And I did. I also did a free, freeze frame analysis of that because I thought I'd see a pad move or something. But damn, it looks like he just yeah. landed on bare ass dirt. Uh, and it's so funny you say that because um, within 24 hours, Cecily and I had been working our way slowly through the Lord of the Rings again. Okay. And I just finished the Return of the King, and then 24 hours later, I watched this. And like, it's fun to see Legolas climbing over this three-story elephant, and bouncing off arrows, and mm-hmm. surfing off its trunk, and doing all this shit. But just, you just know it's not real. Yeah. When, like, Eowyn's riding between elephant legs and slicing tendons and stuff, that's just a green screen shit. But that that horse, the whole horse segment, I yeah. thought was amazing. Also, in the, the scene where they steal the horses, I thought, as much as I liked, like, John Wick 3's uh, kung, uh, uh, horse kung fu, uh-huh. uh, Antonio Banderas did it, did it first. He did, like, 20 did. years ago. Like yeah. a lot of the same shit that he was do that John Wick was doing. Uh, this movie did it did it first twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. But the this the stunts I think are not only like um, accomplished at a very high technical detail. They're also unusually well integrated into the film. Like something I bemoan as much as I like the Fast and Furious uh, sequels. Uh, they, I know for, they, they have to come up with the set pieces and then invent plot things to like why they should happen. Where in this, every stunt felt like it was earned. Every fight scene felt like it had a story that things were being advanced and told. There's also Mm. often escalating stakes. Like when Zorro first goes to steal the horse, he's kind of fucking around. I don't think he's armed. Yeah. He's like fighting with his fist and then it progresses to like props and like, uh, bullhorns and he finally gets a sword then he gets two of them mm. and then a giant comes and shakes the swords out of his hands and I don't know it's just there's there's an art to that kind of like each fight is its own little three act thing with rising tension and res- oh yeah um, and then uh, and, and on the page it probably just says Zoro fights and wins right like that's where a good stunt coordinator is yeah. worth their weight in gold uh, and then the other thing that I think makes this movie work is I feel like uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Antonio Banderas just have like off the charts charisma. Yeah, they do. Um, the, and, there's that scene in the barn where they go from essentially enemies to lovers yeah. in the span of a single sword fight. Yeah, uh, which was really good. And they establish it like right, like when they first meet at the party, and he does that little like magic trick with the rose. Yeah, and, and they go and dance. They dance, and then uh, it's sp- like fucking on. Speaking of stunts and dancing, yeah, it was hilarious to me that in the wide shots there are definitely stunt dancers. I that yeah that jumped out in the way that the the other stunts didn't. Yeah, I, I think Antonio Banderas is surprisingly a better swordsman than he is dancer. Apparently, didn't see that coming. I love when he had to go fight Elena, and she's like you know like Catherine Zeta Jones, like she's drop dead gorgeous and like her kind of like lunging with swords and like fire in her eyes is even better. 
But like the sword hilt, like when he finally decides to fight her and it just pops up in the frame, like this obvious boner joke. <laughs> I fucking love it. Nice. I fucking love him stealing a smooch or two in between the action. Um, and she, he chops her clothes off. Chops her clothes and off. And then her yeah. dad walks in. Uh-huh. Her, her fake dad walks in. How yeah. do you explain that scenario? Zoro, man. This bastard. Zorro he's came he's in young and, and vigorous. Very vigorous. I've already had to confess to some sins once because of this guy. Yep. Um, but yeah. Uh I don't know. They uh I thought that like we talked about the horse stuff, but I just wanna And they use that twice, the the clothes thing. Because mm-hmm. I consider that a stunt. Mm-hmm. Um so they don't show it in the in the barn scene, but they do show the clothes being pulled off of Antonio Banderas when Anthony Hopkins is whipping him. Yeah. Like after he comes back and says, oh, you essentially don't deserve to wear that right. thing. If split you're... your mask, split. I don't know how they did that effect. I really don't know how they did that effect. Because it, it 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 snaps so clean. Yeah. Like that, especially the mask. Uh-huh. Like I can see, okay, it's, the it's cloak, easy to you rig. You just got a guy the, off the cl- yeah, screen pulling. Yeah, yeah but, whatever. But the mask splitting and there's no split there before is was pretty incredible. Yeah, it's real good. I actually thought I had misremembered. I thought that Anthony Hopkins actually did that whip, like snuffing out the candles with the whip. But apparently, he just cracked the whip, and they had those rigged with like a little puff tube, so mm-hmm. they blow out in sequence. Okay. Um, but I'd somehow misremembered in the last twenty years that he had gotten so good at a whip that he could do that. <laughs> he trained with the Olympic whip. He team trained with for the Olympic, the Spanish Olympic, the Welsh uh. Olympic whip team, <laughs> which is a clearly the top three whip team in the world. Yep. Um, Naturally yeah, gifted the, whipper. The, the horse effect. I want to say because, like, if you haven't seen this movie, you might think that we're talking about just like some really intense riding and shit. Like this oh, no. guy is cart like doing that weird thing where he does a one eighty on the horse, but through some complicated pommel horse shit with the ground. Uh, at one point, he's riding two horses at once. Yeah, standing on two horses, riding them at once. And he and one as foot you point, on each. and he rides over a guy. Yeah. Who is also on a horse, Who's not just a guy standing a there. He's just as tall as him. Yeah. He rides over the top. Yeah, and like that that's uh that plays as a really badass scene. It's also comedic because like when the guy like turns around and he just sees empty horses riding behind them. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Um and then like I think the most incredible thing is this guy rides full speed towards this low hanging branch while mm. he's surfing the two fucking horses mm. and jumps them. Lands yeah. on both of the horses' backs just to prove that he can do it, uh-huh. and then instantly somehow ninja moves onto one of them. It's it's just it's 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 as impressive as the you know everyone oohs and ahs about the uh, in in scene of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indiana Jones uses his whip to go underneath to mm-hmm. go up and over yeah. the Nazi wagon and then underneath it and he's drugging the ditch like th- this. Why doesn't no one talk about the horse shit in Zorro? I don't know. I'm talking about the horse I mean, shit and Zero, Zorro. I'm bringing it back. Th- there is like a long history in Hollywood of these type of horse stunts, right? Like I know there were stuntmen who became like famous uh, Western actors because of their prowess on a horse. Mm. Um, so I, I think this is like, this has a long storied tradition. Yeah. Which I'm not like super up on. I wonder but, if we'll ever see anything like this again. Because this did feel like, I don't know. why would anyone spend the money to do it when they can just pay some nerds to render shit on a render farm? Because it looks better. I, I really think it's and more it, impressive. It, and this movie will essentially never age. Right. Like, it's always going to look as good as it does. And with very this rare exception, with very rare exception, there's there's nothing that looks kind of out of place or, or dumb in this movie. Yeah. Uh, in fact, a lot of stuff they did practical... Um, 
thought it was really cool. The final scene where they're out fighting, uh, the old Zoro's fighting his old nemesis, and new mm-hmm. Zoro's fighting his new nemesis, and the the slave mines is really cool because like it feels like appropriately desperate, but for different reasons. Like old Zoro's wounded and he's struggling, but he's just fighting for purely personal reasons at that point. Where new Zoro felt powerful and in control of the entire fight, but he's fighting against time and before the people get blown up. Yeah, uh, and, that, and that scene is so well constructed, that, that fight. Or just cuts back and forth and just, just and the, the scenes effortlessly hand, hand the energy off to each other. Yeah, and, he, and he's, you know, gum, gumming up the works there with, you know, the, the shit he's the, doing. But then the way that the two villains, and I talked about the way that the two Zoros are tied together. Mm-hmm. Th- these villains are literally tied together mm-hmm. at one point uh, with Captain Love being on this hanging uh, cart. Right. And then this other rolling cart dragging yeah. Montero over the edge uh-huh. to smash Captain Love with a cart full of gold bricks. I mean, if you're not dead at that point. Yeah. No, I was thinking like that's like you, you hear about like getting hit by a ton of bricks. Well, yeah. gold's actually heavier than, than bricks. Way so heavier. you're you're getting you're getting triple ton. It's action. literally two birds with one stone. And <laughs> I I loved it. I loved the way that the ending of that came together. Yeah, and it's it like, felt so natural. There's been epic deaths for people, like you know. I, I always think of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies, where he goes looks at the guy, says "You're fired," then literally fires him <laughs> off of a missile. Uh-huh. But this was a lot more organic and kind of a delight. Or it's as you, it you're the Rocket Man. Yeah, <laughs> that, that exactly. Kind of yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but man, there's so many, like, uh, Ant- Antonio Banderas does this move where he unsheaths a sword and like the sun glints off the entire length of the blade. He just fucking did that. Did like, he really? I assumed that had to be nope. Composite. According to uh, the an interview, he hmm. it, it was his idea to do it, and he had to do it and maintain eye contact with the other guy, and he did it in just three takes. So seems really hard. That was fucking cool. And and but th- this also contains this uh, set piece contains the dumbest thing in the the whole fucking movie. And I can't tell if it's dumb on its face of it or if I've just seen this stupid shit ten different times in lesser movies shovel surfing oh yeah it's not it's not expertly done here either and it, it's clearly this shovel is tied to the dude's yes. feet and there's no need for it like i've seen mm-hmm. zoro zip down a ton of lines he, he's got that nifty thing where he puts his two swords together and he slides down there whatnot like i what the shit is this the x games in the middle of my perfectly executed pseudo historical yeah you know western swashbuckling film is probably just a variety thing get your tony hawk out of my zoro would you please <laughs> He's a fox, not a hawk. Uh, and then, yeah. So now I just got to, now I just got like uh, random crazy shit that. Uh... Yeah, I got I've got a complaint about this movie. Oh yeah, I think they set something up that they never knocked down. It's the sword cane. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a sword d- cane in this movie. Do I you, do only not- know what you're talking about because right before we recorded this, you asserted that there was a sword cane. I'm like, get the fuck out of here with your sword cane. Yeah, so in the scene <laughs> where they first show up to the banquet, to uh-huh. Montero's banquet, where he's going to organize all the dons, uh, Antonio Banderas has this cane, and he gets off his horse, and he walks toward the screen, and he pulls the end of it out, revealing a what looks like a metal rod, a sword. Yeah, he's got six inches of a of a backup sword here. Right, and then he puts it back, and that's the last time that is ever addressed. And in fact, it's so not addressed that at the end of that scene where Captain Love shows him his brother's head in a jar, he walks outside and he snaps that very same cane over his knee. 
He snaps a sword cane over his knee. Hard to snap, I would think. It'd be hard to snap a sword cane with an actual, like, maybe the, it's a cheap, shitty backup sword. But still, but it's then a piece why of steel. Have it? It's a piece of carbon steel. It is, yeah. You're not going to snap that over your fucking knee. No, and and no what way. good is a shitty sword going to do you in a sword fight? I, just, I would think none. None at all. If you if you if you're in a desperate situation, you need a backup cane sword. It better be at least a decent sword. Yeah, you don't want to snap a sword cane over your knee, and right. you don't want a sword cane that you can snap over your knee. Right, right. Um, I think that there's a lot of stuff I love, just like random moments. Like I I love the Spartacus I am Zorro, where they're breaking the old Zorro out of the prison. I love mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins cracking that man's Adam Apple. <laughs> Like, He's got a hell of a grip. Like like a walnut. He just grabs it and it just like crack. It's yeah. Adam Apple. It's mm-hmm. Adam Apple. He did that to him. Uh, <laughs> this this is one of the all time great training montages too. It's it's a pretty standard training montage, but it's good. Oh, standard, eh? Uh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that like the uh, Anthony Hopkins delivering the dialogue elevates it. Okay. You know, that he's yeah. giving like this really soaring kind of like rhetoric about, you know, I'll teach you how to fight, how to uh, this, how to fuck, how to how to live, how to take your revenge with honor mm-hmm. and live to celebrate it. Like I it's just I fucking can't get enough of that stuff. Yeah. Um I love like the look on Antonio Banderas's face when he gets a load of his new shave where he's mm-hmm. he gives this kind of like Okay, I, I see what. You, oh, oh, oh! I'm a beautiful man. I fucking love that. Like, it's, but later he's wearing fake mustache, which I guess is good. Like that. That's a pretty good. When does he wear a fake mustache? Yeah. So as Zorro, he wears a fake mustache and and soul patch thing. What do you mean? It's because he takes them off at some point. He just seriously. Removes them. Yes. Oh, I 100%. thought that was his le- legit Dick Van Dyke thing. He's got Van Gogh no. or whatever you call it. Because he has it in that scene that you're talking about in the tub, right? He has it in the scene. He has it when he goes to steal Tornado, uh-huh. Tornado 2.0. But then he I has think when it he becomes in, Zorro. When when he when he is the Spanish nobleman, uh-huh. he has it. But as soon as he turns to Zorro, it's gone. As soon as he gets the torch passed as real Zorro, it's he's clean shaven. Yes. And I he, think he, and he applies it. no wait, he applies a fake mustache. At what point does he apply the fake mustache? When you does never he take see, it off? You never you see, see him, him take apply it, off? it. You see him take it off. You see him take off you, the smut. Well, yes. I would doubt you, except for you already busted my chops on the fake sword, the cane I'm, sword. I'm telling you, man, I, I noticed some weird shit in movies. I believe This is you. one of the things. But it, it makes sense, right? Like, I think, we, we all know Clark Kent's disguise is bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. A pair of glasses does not change your entire appearance. But yeah. a mask yeah. and a pencil mustache and yeah. a soul patch, maybe. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the stunt work, I think, works a lot because the mask, it's, it's kind of the same reason... Uh, early seasons of uh daredevil work so well it's like you got you hide a half a person's mask and the the half time his mouth is just locked in a straight line of a grimace right yeah you know you get a reasonably fit dude with a square jaw it can be anybody mm-hmm. um but yeah i i thought that that was really cool um i really thought the scene between anthony hopkins and Catherine zeta jones where he is brushing down the horse and she kind of surprises him is really yeah. well done it was maybe my favorite like seen from like an acting perspective in this entire yeah, thing. Yeah, like like his whole being is straining and bursting out to tell her, but he knows it's not the right time, he can't do it. Yeah. And the stories that he's telling are of her he's and giving she's, breadcrumbs, yeah. Yeah. She's getting what he's saying, but not on the level he wants her to get it. And then yeah, it's a really, really good scene. And it's also like this dancing thing, which I thought could be gratuitous. They 
you know, uh, old Zoro said to new Zoro, the one thing you can't do is let this Don get, get the Don's get up from the table and leave without you. Yeah. So his quick acting of like, I want to take this guy's daughter and whirl her around in a, in a vigorous young way. Mm-hmm. And the way they showed the Don's kind of like, you know, you had the stakes, like he's going to walk up these stairs. He's going to go around half the room. And if he hasn't called a halt of this stuff and he's failed his mission mm-hmm. and the way they have like the Don's kind of walking and he's talking distracted he sees what's going on in the corner of his eye and then he turns the corner and he looks down and he's like what well, they're doing what now this guy's face <laughs> is between her breasts what's the I and then the way he kind of like cravenly throws her under the he instigated this whole shit right and then throws her under the bus like oh your daughter I can't I guess this is yeah. how they're dance, dancing in Spain nowadays <laughs> what an asshole what a shit yep but it it works it works so well. Also, like the chemistry again. Like mm-hmm. uh, he'd spent this whole dinner complaining about these sweaty pursuits not being suitable for a gentleman, and when he asks her if you'd like to try something more spirited, and she's like, "Well, it's just concerned for you and your fear of perspiration." Uh, it's so good. Uh, and then I've got a couple other just completely random things. I love it. There's this thing in the '90s movies where. They began and ended with the protagonist like backlit against this like dark stage. Like I know the bat, like two of the bat Schumacher yeah. Batman's ended this way. Zoro ended this way. This had the innovation of him cutting a flaming Z, and as he's doing it, they added a panther roar. <laughs> the exact same panther roar that happens when like Ron Burgundy huh. they deploy and 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 where they deploy the sex panther. Uh, the exact same roar in the middle of this thing. You no, know, I didn't even notice it. It's 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 amazing. Um. There's a couple of different things. This movie could have gone a d- bunch of different ways. Number one, Robert Rodriguez is was originally attached to direct the film. Oh, Rodriguez. wow. But the studio didn't huh. like, I guess his script is a lot more violent, R-rated, and bloody. They kept the head thing, though. I, I wonder if that's <laughs> like that was part of the thing that was in that, that script. Like he had you know researched these villains and like added this authenticity and... Uh, I think that's half the reason also that no one batted an eye of Anthony and Antonio Banderas being a Mexican Zorro is because mm-hmm. by this point, he'd already been like the mariachi and uh, like yeah. had done like two of those three. So it's like Robert yeah. Rodriguez is casting him in, in Latino roles. So yeah, that's the, that's the image he had. Yeah. Certainly as the Mexican hero he, or he played, villain, the, uh, he'd already played the narrator in La, uh, uh, Avita. So like he's huh. kind of like done a whole bunch of this. I in fact I until I started digging into the controversy of this film, I had no idea I didn't that either. Antonio Banderas was European Spanish and not like Latin America Spanish. Yeah. Um okay, a couple other things. Robert Rodriguez was going to cast Salma Hayek as Elena. Okay. It's a good I, Elena. I think that could have worked as well, yes. Um Shakira was offered the role of Elena. She turned it down because she wasn't confident in her English. And and she wouldn't be allowed to twerk at all. <laughs> Yeah, I, she I said, "Oh, there's see... dancing." They said, "No, nah, not that kind." It would have been interesting <laughs> to see if she could pull off like that kind of like uh, you know soaring ballroom type of flamenco dancing. Oh, I'm sure she could. I bet she. she could she's too. an extremely talented dancer. She doesn't just shake her ass. I'm kidding. Um, her hips don't lie. They, they, they do not. To shake. Uh, Sean Connery was originally tapped to be the old Zorro. I think Anthony Hopkins is just a massive upgrade. As much as I love Sean Connery. Because Sean Connery is almost 10 years older than uh, Sir Hopkins, Sir Anthony. And also, I just felt like, uh, because I've seen a couple of his action films around this, like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he doesn't pull off the stunt work. Whereas Anthony Hopkins, 
fucking did some really impressive stage sword fighting, especially the first fight mm-hmm. he has with uh, Don Raphael in his home. Yeah. Uh, I thought he showed some real skill and, and uh, you know, youth and vigor, yeah, as uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones would say. Um, here's a couple people that were attached to the role of Zorro before it was given to Banderas. Okay. Benicio Del Toro. Sure. That's an interesting take on Zorro. Mm-hmm. I wish I could see that version of Zorro. It, it doesn't feel like it quite matches the tone. I, I think he brings a little darker tone to this thing. Uh, yeah. A little like less maybe, fun, a little more pathos. Yeah, maybe a little um, a Tim Burton, like a little little darkness too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony, or uh, sorry, Andy Garcia. Mm, That's terrible. No, terrible. I don't like it. No, he's the, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, Mark Anthony super no yeah he he doesn't mm, doesn't strike me as zorro it's a different type of zorro i just think of him in hackers and yeah he's not zorro uh tom Cruise. so steven spielberg was originally attached to direct this he gave it up to do uh band of brothers oh but he's, his attachment was tom Cruise. let's which put is... a welshman and an american yeah in the two main roles here as yeah. zorro who are we gonna cast for the mexican does, hero does zorro? tom Cruise get a really dark tan for this production too like how far do they commit how far does spielberg commit he's a method actor this? he gets a mexican citizenship oh my god oh my god um and that's it that's pretty much i just wanted to throw some of this uh what could have been at you um yeah it's a really fun movie i think it is one of the rare because i've seen a lot of kind of these schlocky 90s stuff and a lot of it just doesn't hold up because the stunt work isn't as good um in fact i'm finding that any kind of gunplay before about 2000 is just hilariously bad like Mm -hmm. the heroes are all blinking every single time they fire a shot uh, they're not using sights prop like like it's you know this weird you know people doing uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger shit without his physique and swagger and charisma to pull it off and then yeah. you know they got the hyper realistic modern like John Wick style now this is kind of in between but like you know you got swords you got muskets and uh, I think it's it's a really great swashbuckling film and I highly recommend people check it out. So thanks for watching this bald movie with us, The Mask of Zorro. Hope you've had a good time. Next week we'll be back with the 2003 classic. Nicholas Cage con man vehicle with Classics Sam Rockwell. Stretch, but okay. uh, Matt Stickman. Yeah. Something that I remember, like this is very similar to Zorro and that I have very fond memories of it and I haven't seen it in almost 20 years. Will um, it hold up? Do you have affection for it? Can your heart take the excitement that is Matt Stickman, 2003 podcast coverage of Thus, same. We'll be back next week to do it. Matt Stickman, burn it down, everybody. Light the match. <laughs>